Good afternoon and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast, where we talk about everything business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon Orlick, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse early stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I am super excited to introduce you to Deb Boulanger. Deb is a former Gartner executive turned entrepreneur extraordinaire. As a business launch mentor and thought leader, she is founder of the Launch Lab for Women Entrepreneurs, CEO and founder of The Great Do-Over, is New York City chapter lead for Elevate Entrepreneurs, a member of the Female Founder Collective, and a founding member of World Changing Women. Deb, welcome to the spotlight, and thank you for joining us. Heidi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Well, and we're coming off our incredible retreat, right? Uh, Yeah, the Six Figure Accelerator CEO Retreat. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Thank you so much for putting that together. Um, Anyway, let's talk a little bit about your journey into sales. Yeah, it was so funny. As I was thinking about our interview today, I was going way back to my late 20s after I left a career in education and got a job for a consultant in technology, a technology consultant. And I would hear him on the phone selling and he would get personally involved and insulted when people didn't buy from him. And it was at that point I said, you know what? You can't sell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do this for you. And that was my very, very first sales job. And then when I was in that company and having those conversations, we were losing out on a lot of sales opportunities because everyone had Gartner. And that's when I got the idea of, oh, I need to be in sales at Gartner. There you <laughs> and go. That's where the journey, holds, the whole journey started. This was early. It was 1986 and they were just building out their inside sales team. And I was one of their very first hires. Yeah, that's. That's amazing. You and I, uh, you know, start our careers early on, and and uh, you know, if we think it's male dominated now, boy, it was really male dominated then. Absolutely, you know, um, and in fact, all of the women who worked as inside, and we were all women who were working as inside sales reps who were really responsible for renewals. So it was the women who were doing the care and feeding of the contract value base that we already had and largely supporting guys who were out in the field, who were the account executives. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting. So, you know, fast forward. um, I know that you had a great career at Gartner, but uh, let's let's uh, talk about how you made that move or transition out of Gartner into your own business. Yeah, and I think you know Gartner was great training ground because there was so much opportunity in a young, growing company that I got to uh, invent my next career. So when I realized that salespeople were having troubles 
telling the same story. I started the Marcom department. And then uh, I came back after a short hiatus in market research. And then I started launching products inside the company. And it was really an intrapreneurial role. So in many ways, my tenure at Gartner prepared me to be an entrepreneur. And I never considered myself an entrepreneur. So I, I always say I'm an accidental entrepreneur because I hit burnout and uh, decided that I needed to, to make a change and uh, decided that I could just launch my own business. And when you have sales and marketing, and product development as part of your portfolio of skills from the corporate world, then it's almost like entrepreneur is the next job description you should sign up for, right? Right, right, exactly. And so did you initially just go with, um, with Launch Lab or what was the evolution of your business? Yeah. So because at the same time I started my business, I was going through a lot of personal challenges. My marriage was falling apart. I was in the midst of a divorce. I had a 12-year-old son that I wanted to take care of and my own health. So the, the burnout led me to a wake-up call of I need to take better care of myself. And I got a health coaching certification. So my first launch was really as a health coach and helping other women in midlife reinvent themselves through taking care of better care of their, their bodies, their minds, their getting connected to their spiritual core. And it wasn't until a couple of years later, after I had invested in some of these high-end mastermind programs for new entrepreneurs, and I looked around the room and saw that these women were really struggling because they, they didn't have a business model. They didn't know how to sell. They didn't have anything that anyone wanted to buy, and they were investing a ton of money in this entrepreneurial education and literally bootstrapping themselves back into a job. And that's when I, the light bulb finally went on and I said, oh, I can change this because I know how to te test out product ideas. I know how to put together marketing campaigns and business models and sell and get them out to market. And so then I made it my mission to help more women be successful and take control of their time, their money and making an impact by helping them uh, become successful entrepreneurs. That's so, that is so important. It's an incredible mission. And so let's just, you know, thinking about sales and entrepreneurship, um, you know, what, what I've found working with entrepreneurs over the years uh, and even for myself, and I'm a tenured salesperson, you know, I know it's really easy to get super focused on the mission of the company or what you're passionate about. And sometimes the idea of, oh, yeah, I have to go and sell this <laughs> in order to make revenue um, falls, falls by the wayside. So how are you coaching women to integrate sales into their business model? Yeah. Well, sales is the lifeblood of your business. If you're not selling, you can't possibly serve. And if you're not selling, then, you know, you may be over coaching or over teaching or doing too much consulting without um, getting paid or getting paid well for your work. So there's two, two issues here. One is getting comfortable in sales, especially when you may be an introvert or you've never sold before 
or the whole idea of selling uh, feels icky <laughs> as a technical right. term, right? You don't, you don't want to learn how to do it. So I always say you have to get over it, hire someone else to do it or go back and get a job because there's no business growth without learning to sell. And truthfully, Heidi, as you know, well know, I'm sure it requires a new skill set, mm -hmm. right? It, it, requires you to be present in a conversation with another human being and be sincerely curious about where their challenges are and what they've already tried and, and what this is costing them to stay in this, this position of not being successful and what the ideal solution looks like to them. So I had the, the good fortune early in my Gartner career to work with the founders of Value Selling and Julie Thomas, who's now the CEO of Value Selling and wrote the book Value Selling, was a colleague of mine. So I got some training early on on how to have valuable sales conversations, especially in the B2B space. And then when I started selling to individuals, well, it's a slightly different conversation because as a coach, you're, you're having conversations with people who have a lot of psychology built up around their self-worth, their own personal value, especially women who may have been undervaluing their importance in their family, undervaluing their impact with their work, which leads to them undercharging for their services. And then, you know, the, the cycle continues and then they have trouble staying alive and staying there afloat in their businesses because they're not generating enough revenue. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that so is, is definitely an issue. So what guidance do you give them to push through that fear and, and, or is it just, you know, this aha moment where if I don't sell, I'm not going to survive. Right. Or I, if I don't sell, I can't serve, which is what my passion is. So right. how do you, how do you guide them through that? Um, you know, so that, so they get comfortable with it. Yeah. You have to, you know, if you're learning a new skill, you just have to sort of grit your teeth and just do it, even if it feels uncomfortable. So in the launch lab, when we start talking about sales conversations or in another program I run called standout webinars, when you're making an offer, when you're speaking, how to stick with the framework or the script that I give you. I mean, most salespeople have a script. They have a framework for how they want that conversation to unfold. And when you're selling, you're in control of that conversation because if the person on the other side of the conversation takes control of the conversation, then you've lost it, right? And then you're scrambling to get back up. So I teach them to stick to a framework and I have uh, several different frameworks depending on, are you selling B2B? Are you selling to individuals? Here's a framework that would work for you. You can customize it, but do ask the questions that are in that script, even if they feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's going to well, at least to start, right? Because uh, that's a great place to start. And then as you get begin to get more comfortable, um, then, you know, you probably can customize your script a little bit to whoever you're speaking with. But that's a, having a, a framework is a great place to, to start. And how do, the, how do you coach them to integrate storytelling into their, you know, into their sales model or into their sales, sales script? 
Yeah, well, storytelling is so important because it's a way of um, soft selling and what I call seeding the value that you deliver by not saying, hey, I deliver XYZ value to people like you. You tell a story instead and you pick a story that's very similar to where they are feeling stuck or what they've experienced. And you tell the story of how you worked with someone else and then what their their result was. And that gives them proof, it's social proof that, oh, you've been able to help other people. And they begin to think, well, if I were working with Deb in the Launch Lab, then I would probably be getting those same results. Mm -hmm. And so storytelling is super important when you're, when you're selling from the stage. And I truly believe that whenever you're up in front of people, you are always selling you're not overtly pitching people. I think there's a difference between selling and pitching. And I think that's an important distinction to make that when you're selling, you're authentically extending an invitation to someone to take the information further and to customize it to their unique situation. And so when I teach my clients how to do a talk that converts, we're talking about storytelling, we're talking about seeding, we're talking about transitioning to the offer. And, you know, Heidi, at the end of the day, you get what you ask for. Mm -hmm. So if you're not asking for the sale, then you're actually doing your prospective client a disservice because you're not extending an offer to them that would help them get out of the situation that they're in. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, and I do like the mindset shift that you spoke about of moving from selling to serving. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so most of us are here because we want to see some change in the world, right? So there's some inequity that we want to write, whether it's around diversity, equity, and inclusion, or the planet, or helping people be more healthy or uh, have more money. All of those are really valuable tools. But if you're, um, if you're not selling, then you're not able to deliver those results. And so it doesn't matter if you're selling to governments, individuals, big business, small business, startups, um, you know, schools, hospitals, you need to get comfortable in having a conversation that's authentic about, hey, you know, I see and I understand where you're feeling stuck in your, your life or your business right now. And here's what's possible, leading them through a conversation of what's possible on the other side. And then the value of taking action is the results that they get working with you. So it's all about having enough faith in yourself, faith in your mission uh, to go and make the ask. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I want to maybe touch base a little bit about your mental health background um, because I think it's really an issue, uh, particularly with, with salespeople. And it's something that I've been seeing a lot lately on uh, burnout and uh, in sales, and um, particularly with the pandemic, but I think that it was even before the pandemic, there was high levels of burnout and turnover in sales today, particularly amongst women, is at an all-time high, all-time high. 
And, and I, and I think, you know, I'm not an expert, you're more of an expert than I am in this area, but um, I, I do think it has to do with mental health and, and, and burnout. So what are you, what are you seeing in that area? One question and two, what kind of guidance would you give to someone who may be experiencing that? Well, there's so much to unpack there at so many different levels. So at the basic human level, we all have, um, according to the, uh, to Pat Pearson, who wrote the book, Stop Self-Sabotage, we all have an internal deserve level and we can't exceed beyond what we feel we actually deserve. And so when you start to talk about women and we're living in a culture that for the last, and I've been thinking a lot about this lately, for the last five or six decades since the women's movement was really born, uh, we're coming up in a culture where women are valued less and women are also the primary caregivers. So when women are burning out in sales, you have a lot in sales that's measured, your success is measured based on numbers and your performance. You know, how many sales did you make? How many sales calls did you make? Um, you know, how close are you to quota? And then you're also having someone who's a senior sales executive whose kids are home from school because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and the dad's not staying home from work to take care of the kids and women are burning out specifically in these last two years <clears throat> because they take on the lion's share of the responsibility for what happens in home, even if they are the primary wage earners in the family, which I find really fascinating and interesting. Also, you know, we're living in a culture and where women have been taught that they are worth less. So the pay gap in, in women leaders is evident in sales as well as in other career choices. So you have women who are working hard, getting paid less. They're the primary wagers in their families frequently, and they're also the primary caretakers. So for me, there's no question why women burn, burn out. And, and just historically, they tend not to ask for help because they are the helpers. They're the ones who chip in. So I think what needs to happen is women need to ask for more help. You know, if you are a, a leader in sales or you're an entrepreneur, you need to make sure that you have help at home with your children, help with your housekeeping, you know, so that you're actually able to fulfill the responsibilities of your job or you as CEO of your, your company. So you need to put on as much help as you can afford. Yeah. I find it fascinating that that the responsibility still fell upon women, even, you know, we are in 2021, but. It's true. I it's mean, true. Some, I mean, you think we've made progress, but have we really? I mean, I think there were some progressive families where the moms and dads were actually taken, taking equal responsibility for childcare that they were really trading on and off. But, um, you know, my assistant, her husband is in the army. I mean, and he could be deployed. And then not only does she have her business to run, but she has so responsibility of her kids. And so she's invested in getting support so that she can uh, fulfill her 
her desires as a CEO and also provide for her family. So I think, you know, the burnout in women and is, is real because we try to do too much. We, we still have that wonder woman syndrome of, you know, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan and never let you forget you're a man <laughs> because I'm a woman. <laughs> W-O-M-A-N. And uh, it's just, it's not real. There's a lot of conversations that I'm having with my clients who are, who are also coaching women out of burnout. And it's, uh, you know, you can't have it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think asking for help is a, is a big thing that women need to focus on and, and, and do more of, I mean, I, I, we had a completely reverse household, you know, in our household. So I was very blessed and fortunate that, you know, my husband did step up, but not every person has that situation. So, um, and, and have you seen, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, articles and posts and, and things on the great resignation, but, um, and, and it's, and it's real. And I think burnout plays a part of that, but do you think that there's, you know, an upside to that, that are you seeing the trend that more women are moving into entrepreneurship? I think more women are moving into entrepreneurship and some it's by choice and some it's by default, right? So for some, especially women who are in their fifties, they start to feel themselves being marginalized out of the workforce. And so starting their own consulting business might be one of the only choices that they have to uh, continue to earn revenue. And then I also see a lot of women at that stage kind of questioning what is it that I'm here for? Mm -hmm. What's my purpose? What is it that I actually want to do with my life? And that calling that, that kind of itch to, to solve a bigger problem becomes so powerful that they then make the leap to entrepreneurship, but there's a cost to the great resignation. And that is that uh, women are frequently going for these coaching certifications or launching, you know, hanging their shingle and launching a consulting business. And it's a real crowded market. And if you peel back the statistics, the average female business owner earns around $56,000 a year. Hmm. And compared to male business owners, women are only earning 30 cents to the dollar of revenue. And that's in an because entrepreneur, in an entrepreneurial uh, business, in entrepreneurial business. Right. So wow. women business owners are that earning is, 30 cents to the dollar. That is mind blowing. I thought it it's, was bad enough of what we were making in corporate. I think it's up to what? 83 cents, 81 cents. I don't know the most recent. Number. It depends on the color of your skin. Actually, it's yeah, still it 70 some odd cents if you're a woman of color. Um, and part of that is, you know, we're so used to undervaluing ourselves that it's when it comes time to putting a price on your service, it's, it becomes for people, it's like equating to their value as opposed to the value of what you're delivering. So this is another reason why sales training is so important because you know you're not selling your personal value in 
in a sales conversation. You're selling the value of the outcome of what you can provide to that client. And I think women underprice their services because they undervalue their impact. Is it a competence factor as well? It's self-esteem. So I think there's two two very different things. Self-esteem is your basic sense of self-worth, which is, according to psychologists and experts, or is solidified by the time you're five or seven years old. You have a good sense of, you know, your self-worth. Confidence comes from, and this is where that inner deserve level comes from, and that you can't, you know, charge more or achieve more in your life uh, based on that deserve level or your self-sabotage patterns will kick in, right? And self-confidence comes from doing things that are hard that you've never done before that may feel a little bit scary, but you do them, you live, you succeed. And so then you have the confidence to do them again. So confidence is much easier to acquire And self-esteem is what can hurt you, whether you're a sales executive or an entrepreneur or really in any field, because you're not able to advocate effectively for yourself when it comes time to uh, getting a raise or asking to be paid. Yeah. And those limiting beliefs, you know, follow you through that you've had since childhood. And we talked about this at the summit. I mentioned the summit at the beginning, but Mm -hmm. uh, also how comfortable women feel with money, right? So it's this, I don't know, I see it's like maybe two different things. One is, you know, valuing themselves and so charging what they're worth based on what they're going to be able to deliver to their customers. So that's one thing. But then the other thing is, is just this whole issue around not being comfortable with money. And so yeah, how do I mean, you see that plays out? Yeah, generationally, um, not many women were taught. I think this is too changing, Heidi. I think you and I are of a generation where for the most part, women weren't brought up to be well-educated around financial issues. And when we were on retreat, we talked to Barbara Hewson, the author of Rewire for Wealth, and you know her story of being told, you don't have to worry about money because you're rich, and then losing her entire inheritance to her husband, who was a compulsive gambler and got into some, some bad investment situations. And I personally, I had a father who was a chief financial officer for a major insurance company. And you think that, you know, we would be having some conversations around investing and managing money. And I remember being at our summer house and our next door neighbor came to me and he was a newly minted financial advisor. And he said, your father is one of the smartest investors I have ever met. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Dad never taught me anything about, you know, investing. And so I think it's uh, generationally girls were treated differently than boys and women weren't expected to pursue careers in finance. I mean, I started my career as a teacher because I was a really good babysitter in my neighborhood. And when it came time to go to college, It was like, well, I didn't know what else I was going to do. I'll just learn to be a teacher. And then I put myself through school to understand how to program computers, how to do office automation, and um, then got a job in sales. Sales was the easiest transition for me to make because I love talking to people. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, what's interesting, too, is that um, when you look at women in the C-suite in uh, corporations, finance is the number one career path to the to the C-suite and sales is number two. 20% of women in C-level executive position came up through the sales channel. And those that's are so two interesting. things that women are not generally comfortable with. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I wonder what positions they end up in, you know, I guess uh, CFO positions or chief chief revenue officer CEO, positions. Maybe, maybe HR, you know. Yeah, HR and marketing officer, are the two chief, traditional, yeah. You know, uh, marketing. Um, yeah. Sometimes legal, you know, there, mm-hmm. there, there's legal, but, um, but yeah, it's, I, I find that really interesting. So, um, I, gosh, I can't believe we're, we came up to our time already. We covered a lot of ground, didn't we? We did. (laughs) Um, so, you know, what, uh, you know, what advice or guidance would you give to a woman who may be listening today, who's considering making the uh, transition out of corporate, uh, into entrepreneurship? Yeah. So my advice is go in with your eyes wide open. Uh, First, find the gap in the marketplace, the problem that you solve, uh, carve out a unique value proposition. And then when it comes to packaging and pricing your services to sort of get out of your own way and and really think about the value that you're providing and just know you're going to learn some new skills in this process and sales is one of them and how to sell in a way that feels authentic and you don't have to feel 100% comfortable with that right now the comfort comes from the practice the comfort comes from the doing of it and having success at it that's where the confidence comes from so uh, yes, just go in with your eyes wide open, make sure you have a cushion because you will invest money in this new business startup as we both know, Heidi, right? We both know that, yeah. Yeah, so you invest money in your business startup, you're investing time in your business startup and you're investing in your own skills. So to prepare for all of those and know that uh, whatever you seek is also seeking you. So if you feel that call to make a bigger impact with your work, to have more flexibility with your time and no ceiling on your income, then entrepreneurship might be for you. Yeah, that sounds great. Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You shared some incredible nuggets of wisdom as always. Uh, Thank uh, you, Heidi. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. Thank you. You take care now. You too. Thanks, Heidi. Uh